I'm Sonia Derman. And I'm Maria Stabio. This is 2MF on Clock Tower Radio, clocktower.org. 2MF is a series of community meetings, open and participatory experiences that we organize, collaborating with selected New York City artists. 2MF aims to encourage pro-emotive and anti-academic conversation among artists living in New York City. All meetings are free and open to the public. For more information, visit the number 2manyfeelings.com. Post-meeting discussion occurs here on Clock Tower Radio. Episodes feature conversations with 2MF's facilitating artists reflecting on the recent in-person meeting. Our most recent meeting took place at Sunview Luncheonette with Nate Hyges on Sunday, January 29th, 2017. So Nate Hyges has just begun a private exhibition series, Interiors, showcasing the work of a single artist at a time in their own home. He has exhibited at the Carpenter Center at Harvard University, the Suburban in Oak Park, Illinois, the Austin Museum of Art, the Houston Center for Photography, Franklin Streetworks in Stamford, Connecticut, and Nina Johnson Gallery in Miami, as well as MoMA PS1, Mark Jonku Gallery, Stillhouse Group Gallery, and Underdunk Gallery all in New York. His work is in the collection of the Drawing Center, New York. Mr. Hyges has been awarded residencies at Yado, the TAJ Residency in Bangalore, India, and the Shandaken Project. He lives and works in Brooklyn, New York, and was awarded an MFA in sculpture from Yale in 2010. Welcome, Nate. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So usually we start uh, with just kind of doing a general overview of what we talked about. Um, and for me, what really stood out from with with your meeting is that we we looked at a lot of video um, and specifically pertaining to the White House and its relationship to American culture and how that culture um, gets preserved or um, changes with each administration and each person that inhibits that space and relating to your interior series and um, the work that you do as an artist. So <clears throat> maybe you can talk a little bit about what we watched and why we watched it. Sure. So um, <clears throat> we started with um, watching about half of the um, tour of the White House from the early 60s um, that was done by Jackie Kennedy. And um, that tour was made actually for um, broadcast TV, um, was very widely um, seen by, you know, by, by Americans. Um, and part of the reason um, I think why she did it was because there had been a lot of backlash um, by the Republican Congress about uh, a perception that the Kennedys were spending too much money uh, on renovating the White House. Yeah. Um, and so the um, the show was made in part as a way of sort of explaining what they were doing. And, and essentially, um, Jackie had decided that she wanted the White House to be a showcase for the American presidency and the history of the presidency. Uh, and so she wanted to... Um, incorporate um, the objects that have been associated with past presidents, past administrations, um, and to sort of like bring those back into the White House because many of them had been, actually most of those objects and furniture had been dispersed. There had been a tradition of presidents removing furniture. So mm-hmm. um, she like went around the country soliciting private uh, donations from individuals um, and 
you know, so so th there were public monies spent on the project, but there was also a lot of private donations, um, and so we watched that, and it's yeah. it's an amazing document. It's sort mm -hmm. of like an amazing historical document. Um, she's incredibly weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's sort of like a you know like a another. She's like a creature. You mm -hmm. know, she's sort of like this strange, uh, this strange woman who's come down from a planet known as, you know, New England. <laughs> uh, um, and so, you know, it's, but she, I mean, but it's, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's really, um, it's really interesting. And she clearly cares about um, the connoisseurship of these objects. You know I mean? Like that the, the relationship between their history and their quality as objects is clearly something that she's really into and cares about. Uh, and, you know, so it's always, I think it's always interesting to watch people who are, um, excited and knowledgeable, you know. Um, so that was sort of like what we watched in the beginning. Right. Then we watched a series of clips um, that were about the Trump family. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, as contrast. <laughs> um, and, you know, so the, we watched a clip uh, that was an interview that had been produced by Forbes magazine with Eric Trump in the family's Mount Kisco estate in, um, in Westchester, County outside of New York City, right, which is a very wealthy part of New York metro. In general. Yeah, yeah, New York metro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and you know, like they're the most wealthy part of that, obviously. Um, and uh, so, so there was there was that, um, and then we watched um, a video that was produced actually by the Trump Corporation uh, about Donald Trump's jet, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, his seven fifty seven. <laughs> Um, it was, you know, it was a tour given by um, a very uh, perky brunette. <laughs> uh, um, and then we watched uh, a selection of clips from The Apprentice um, that took place in Donald Trump's home. So, like, um, I think that there were maybe four, four clips um, from four different seasons where, um, like, the team was invited to his to his home as a, as a sort of a surprise. Um, motivation, right? Motivation, right? Right, exactly. like you could be here <clears throat> if you could. You could have this if you work hard, like me, or right. Yeah, uh, and and actually, in all of those clips, Melania is also present, right? Mm -hmm. um, and has a very specific function as a sort of, as a sort of hostess, um, and, you know. So so uh, mm -hmm. so yeah. So those so the those are sort of the clips that we watched, um, and you know, I think it it was important to um, to remember that the that the function of those, the sort of intended function of those videos was different. Mm. You know, I mean, what Jackie O was doing with the White House um, clip or the White House f movie uh, was different than what Trump is doing with The Apprentice, obviously. Right. Um, but I think, you know, the spirit of, the spirit of that difference is interesting um, and I think is illuminating for you know, thinking about the aesthetics of creating mythologies around the presidency. Yeah, it's interesting how both Kennedy and Trump have such different relationships to their homes and to um, what makes it prestigious and what about these places is kind of incredible. Um, so I'm wondering actually, Considering your work and um, your project, where you have artists showing in interiors, mm -hmm. what do you ha what do you think about how artists and collectors relate to objects and to their homes? 
Well, I mean, I think part of the part of what's interesting for me about thinking about the home as an exhibition space um, and an exhibition space that is um, essentially private um, is that I think first and foremost, I, rather than drawing a distinction between artists and collectors, I think what it does is it it's it's a space that everybody understands intrinsically, right? So, like everybody knows what you know a domestic space is and they you know you understand it on a very sort of atavistic level in a way that isn't necessarily true for a gallery space mm -hmm. or a museum space um, so i think that you know that that connection is sort of runs through demographics you know and, and even people who aren't interested in art at all um, will have calendars or they'll have you know hang in there like you know like <laughs> like the impulse to adorn your space is you know if not you know, if not universal I don't want to be essentialist but like it's it appears to be a very common impulse mm -hmm. yeah um, and and I think that so so I think that like that understanding that relationship between the impulse toward adornment and then thinking about you know in a more in a more sort of art sphere um, how is that? How is that impulse elaborated? You know, and what does it mean to be a practicing contemporary artist dealing with all of the inherent problems and contradictions of making art today? How does that? How can that still relate back to those sort of really, you know, sort of primal aesthetic impulses? Um, so, to me, that's that's kind of one of the underlying ideas behind the whole project. Hmm. Well, it seems like there's, which is in slightly intimidating, there's a level of intimacy in encountering an artist's space where they do the other kind of dirty business of their lives, like shower and clean. Mm -hmm. And in that way, it's like somehow different to me than um, an apartment gallery, which is somehow set up as... That's not an apartment. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think... Um, in a way, it goes back to um, you know some of my some of my earliest experiences as you know as a kid um, being exposed to the ideas behind modernism, you know, and, and really thinking like okay, you know, you have you have this movement that points to universals and points to absolutes, um, but then you go to the museum and you see this painting that's you know now whatever 40, 50 years old. Um, and the painting is damaged. You know, like the painting is a physical object that has an existence in actual space. Um, and I think that in a way that the museum and the discourse surrounding a lot of that work encourages us to, to overlook or to not see the physical reality of those right. paintings. And, mm. and I think that like sometimes that context encourages us to think about art in terms of idea. Right. You know, so it's, it's dematerialized, right? Right, yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, re, like putting that stuff back into that space of dirty living, you know, sort of confirms the art object's corporeality. Right. Mm -hmm. hmm. and, it, and I think it, you know, it's a, like also the way that art functions in the home is like you... You, you don't necessarily go there to look at it. 
but the looking happens over time. So it's a right. different kind of looking. It's like incidental and sustained. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I just thought about how it feels like a less sacred space to me too, rather than a gallery or museum where there's kind of like that whole white cube thing about how it's like the, a gallery is a church or something like that or a temple or a mosque or something. Right. Um, and that, and I, I've, I definitely feel like art that I have in my own home, I don't treat nearly as, you know, I don't know, not nicely, but oh, I don't, precious yeah, I'm not as precious with it at home as I, as I would be if I, you know, my gallery job where I work, like I probably would be a little <laughs> more conscious of it or something. Yeah. Um, but I, something that we wanted to talk about um, with you was this um, idea of nostalgia when looking at the Jackie O um, tour of the White House and then thinking about what, um, you know, what, are, do you have nostalgic feelings for that video yourself or how do you feel about it? Um, and then how does nostalgia play into how we currently treat public property, um, how we care for things, how we preserve things. Um, and also is nostalgia kind of dangerous? I mean, especially in, I mean, I'm kind of adding on to this idea, but especially in today's sort of like Trump, the way I think Make the way America that, great again. yeah, the way that he uses nostalgia is like kind of a weaponized way, you mm -hmm. know? And so it, it, it kind of takes people back to, you know, well, things were great for you in the past and they can be great again, even though it's like, you know, probably not possible, but anyways, that's kind of a big question, but maybe you can pick apart a little bit of it. I mean, I, you know, I think, um, nostalgia clearly played a role, uh, in the 2016 election. There's no question. Um, <clears throat> as well as, you know, conservative identity politics. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think that, you know, whatever, I think it's interesting that, that there's, you know, there's a trope that identity politics is, is somehow, about the left, which, I mean, mm. 2016, we clearly saw was about the right mm. um, and about, you know, and about white people and fantasies of, you know, the 50s. Right. Um, I mean, I think that something that, you know, that, and that, that I, you know, tried to point out when we were watching the video was that um, <clears throat> although, you know, on the level of, um, well, you know, just like, who's more vulgar, you know, like Trump or Kennedy. I mean, it's not, it's not really a fair contest, but, um, you know, Kennedy did also get assassinated, you know I mean? Mm. And I think that like, I, I think to look at that period in American history with nostalgia, I think is incredibly problematic. You know, right. I mean, RFK was killed. Martin Luther King was killed. I mean, like people were being assassinated. Right. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's, that's not, you know, that's not a golden age that I think is, you know, that I would want to return to. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, I, I think that, um, you know, nostalgia is is a is a rhetorical method, hmm. or it can be. Um, you know, it can be used. So I think that. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't feel nostalgia for that time. Right. Mm -hmm. But I do think, you know, and, and I've, you know, I've used, um, I've used, in my own work, I've used, you know, things from earlier times. You know, like I, for my thesis show, 
uh, <clears throat> I had some furniture and a, a book that incorporated images from the you know the late sixties. Um, and for, for me, what's interesting about that, about using sort of like, you know, nostalgic iconography, uh, is to think about how that, um, how those symbols work today. Mm. You know, so it's, you know, I, I have very little interest in, you know, like the, you know, like the hippie movement or whatever, you know, mm. but, but I do think it's interesting to see how that iconography functions as, you know, as a symbol today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, like my experience with with the sort of what does nostalgia mean kind of question is is I feel like I have a a, a little bit of a similar um, kind of response in the way that I I would never say that I'm nostalgic for an earlier age or time, um, but I also think that nostalgia gets tied in with memory a lot. And um, I do not associate the two in the sense that I feel like memory is looking back and recounting, but nostalgia is like trying to make that memory come alive again, which, or in a, in a way is like a, is like a, a hope or a dream that it will, or reliving that memory. It's at least that's the way that I understand it. Um, and I definitely feel like people sometimes use the two a little bit interchangeably um, and I think that in this case, when we watched that video, although I wasn't alive in the 60s and I don't know what that time was like, so uh, we can only look back at history and we can always, we can only say like, you know, could, would we have wanted to be there or not? Or, you know, is that something that we wish to recount? But, um, it is, it's like kind of crazy. I mean, to think that someday people will look back at the Trump administration and I wonder if they will say to themselves, you know, oh, I wish I could have been there, or, you know, what was that like? I mean, that is freaky to me. Like, it's weird or to if, think or about that. Or if only we could go back to those days. Yeah, <laughs> we, I know. Wow. <clears throat> like, like the nostalgia that some of us are feeling about the George W. About Bush, Bush administration. Yeah, about yeah, Bush. Something yeah. I never would have Right. It's like, predicted. oh, he's such a nice man now. Like, he's like everything he did is... <laughs> Oh my God! It's so it's reasonable. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he never made fun of a disabled journalist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really sets the bar high. But I thought there was something really. I mean, I had not seen that video of Jackie Kennedy before, and mm-hmm. I've seen similar. I mean, that that Trump aesthetic of how he speaks is and how he, um, the same adjectives that he uses for in his political speeches, like are the same ones that he applied to, like, the description of his home and the mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. and Eric's, you know, which was about quantity and the material. And so that, to me, was like, wow, there's such a big difference in the way that they talk about objects. There's Definitely. kind of, like, this poetic... And maybe this was this was the more romantic, <clears throat> like, personal thing, but there was this, like, connoisseurship that... Mm-hmm. Jackie Kennedy seemed to have in a very weird way, but like where she narrated the history of all these objects and mm-hmm. right. obviously it was curated and it was controlled, as you mentioned too. This was like clearly designed with a specific intention, just as Trump's right. vocabulary right. and descriptive methods of his property has its own goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think too that they both had very different ways of approaching this sort of like optics kind of problem where 
you know, Jackie was like, she was filmed in some of these rooms that were just in shambles. I mean, there was like books strewn around and old furniture that was like practically falling apart. And I mean, it was like very disorderly, which in contrast to her appearance is very strange. Um, and then of course there's like the Trump, um, productions, which are opposite in a lot of ways. Um, but also talking a lot about this sort of elevation of like, oh, we have everything that's the best. And then Jackie's like, well, we're taking things that have been discarded and ignored and we're, we're trying to bring them back. Repairing. Um, Yeah. She had an upholstery shop mm -hmm. within the white house, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that they're also, I mean, the um, the value system is also really different. You know, I mean, I think that Jackie's um, rescuing of historical objects um, that have a very specific history in terms of their manufacture, um, how they, you know, how these objects were disseminated in, you know, early America, that kind of connoisseurship speaks to a it speaks to a different kind of person mm-hmm. and I think, you know, proposes a different set of values than Trump's plane that has the gold-plated seatbelts. Right. You know, it's like it doesn't... I mean, it's it's such a, you know, it's like such a um, cartoonish symbol of wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... It doesn't it, like it doesn't it, like it doesn't matter what it looks like, right? It only matters that it's literally covered in gold. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a totally different. It proposes a different system of value. Yes, definitely. Yeah. You know, and I mean, and it really, it's you know, it says basically there's only one criterion of value, and that's how much money was spent, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, pretty much on manufacturing it. Right. Mm -hmm. That also makes me think about, um, I wonder what your perspective is on, well, the Kennedys' relationship with art Mm -hmm. or objects, which seemed in an an artistic way, Mm -hmm. versus, like, Trump's relationship with public art and, and, like, the proposed, his, his threat to defund the NEA. I wonder whether there's going to be a real shift in the relationship that people have for caring for, upholding um, communal works of art. Hmm. I mean, frankly, at this point, the NEA is, I mean, it's not, it's not actually particularly large. It's not particularly powerful. It really was defanged, you know, by Jesse Helms and co, you know, 20 years ago. Um, it's, but it's, you know, it does have symbolic value, which is why, right. you know, every time it's like, we're going to defund the NEA, which is just, I mean, it's like, you know, we're going to... It's gonna, a minuscule part of the right, budget. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like taking a five-minute shower while you water your lawn for 18 hours every day. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's not going to, you know, it's purely symbolic. Um, you know, and, and I think that... Um, you know the the relationship, especially to public art in America, you know, has always been about, um, you know, it's it's been a way it's sort of been a way to do cultural laundering. You know, I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at the Frick, 
right? right? Like the Frick collection is, is great. The building is really fun to go to. Um, Frick was a monster. Right. You know, I mean, like the Rockefellers. You know, it's like all of the, you know, it's like... Right, get back in people's good graces or try to erase that or hide or somehow conceal. Yeah, so I mean, like, that's that's not going to change. Right. And I think that, you know, what with deregulation coming, you know, we may be in, you know, we may be in store for a new generation of robber barons and, Hmm. you know. Interesting. Gilded Age Part 2. Stay tuned. (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking, no, what was that? It was like, was it the, it was right before, or it was right after the Renaissance. Was it the Baroque period? I don't know, where they, kind of all of the paintings were amazingly kind of opulent and... The Rococo. Oh, that's what I mean. It's the Rococo. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's, there's something Rococo about Trump. Oh, yeah. And I feel like, I wonder if that's going to come back in some way, in full, more full force and the sense of aesthetics that people are going to choose. Mm-hmm. I feel, I mean, I, I just feel like Trump just doesn't, I feel like Trump actually doesn't care about aesthetics. Yeah. Hmm. I just, I don't, I mean, yeah, like none of his buildings are interesting at all like I mean it really I mean I remember when he was building um you know the Trump building in Chicago and it was a huge fight um because you know he wanted to just you know put a brick next to the river Hmm. um you know and and yeah I just I don't I'd like I you know he's he's no Frederick the Great Hmm. but that's almost a choice too like a lack of interest or this kind of utilitarian but like not elegant utilitarian. Not I mean, I just don't think he's yeah. gonna. I don't think he's gonna engender a new aesthetic revolution. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I I, I have skeptical feelings about that. Are you that. disappointed? Am I disappointed? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a fan of the Rococo. Yeah. Now there's something. Yeah. It had more narrative though. I feel oh, like you think so? Yeah. Well, maybe I'm thinking about the paintings. I mean. Hydra. I mean, I'm thinking about how there were all these people who started commenting on fashion right before Obama left office. And it was like the style of Obama and the style of Michelle Obama. And then now it's like, Trump doesn't have any style. Melania can't even get anybody to dress her. Like this kind of like, you know, we're going to turn our backs on them and make them look terrible or something. And it's like, he doesn't even care. You know what I mean? It's like, he doesn't, no one can, like no one, he does not affect him at all. If he doesn't have designer you know, people to dress Melania. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe she cares. I don't know, but it's interesting. It's interesting to, like, try to use those kinds of things as weapons and then to have it be, like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know. I don't know. Maybe I'm curious to know if I'm, like, actually right about that or not, or not but. Yeah, well, I mean, there was that that amazing tweet um, about how, when, you know, when Trump said, you know, a bunch of artists are going to get together and try and ruin my special day. <laughs> <laughs> Should I be scared? You know, I mean. Wait, did he really say that? Yeah. I didn't know he said that. Yeah. yeah. His special day. What is he talking about? How that's, would the how inauguration? Would that's almost. But adorable. like, how? Yeah. How would artists get together and ruin? That's weird. I don't even know how. Like, no one was there. Like, no one was there for the inauguration. <laughs> um, 
Well, thank you so much, Nate Hyges. So it's really great to have you here. Yeah, thank um, you so much. Yeah. The meeting was, it was really lovely to have it in that space, which is which so is an much. an old diner. Right. Yeah. And is really. It's a very cool space. It's a unique space for meetings. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. Um, so our next series of meetings will be at the Spring Break Art Show. And uh, we're working on getting you the details soon. So make sure to visit our website for updates on the date, venue, and time. I'm Sonia Derman. And I'm Maria Stabio. And today we spoke with Nate Hyges. This Hello. is... <laughs> <laughs> um, this is 2MF on Clock Tower Radio, clocktower.org. <laughs> <laughs>